0: Welcome to this episode of Out of the Best Books, the podcast where we deep dive into classic literature and have conversations about what we've learned and discovered along the way. We love all things books and reading, and we want to share our love of the classics with you. We hope to inspire you to read along with us and join in the conversation. I'm
1: Amity. And I'm Laura. Now let's get talking about the classics. So today we are going to do kind of a bonus episode where we're going to each give you our top 10 list of the classics that we've read so far in life. So we thought this would be kind of a good thing to do at the beginning of of our podcast overall and maybe revisit it down the road a little ways and see if it's changed after we've read some more. So we're really excited to share some of these with you. We're going to alternate back and forth. Do you have yours in a list in like a numbered list or... random.
0: It's so mine are in no particular order, but yours are kind of, I'm kind of, I'm kind of excited to hear yours. So I guess just remember that Laura's going to tell her number and that's like where it is in her mind, like her her list of favorites (laughs) are, are in no particular order. So hers, that's going to be a lot more interesting than listening to mine. Do you want me to start?
1: Sure. Or well. we could just say we're, they're both random. Let's just say that. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Except
0: I really want to hear
1: No, I want to hear
0: it. Cause I love top okay. 10 list, lists. I just couldn't order mine and, okay. and I could try to real quick.
1: Just save but, your best for last. That's all.
0: Okay. So the first one that I want to talk about is uncle Tom's cabin by Harriet Beecher Stowe. So uncle Tom's cabin was written by Harriet Beecher Stowe. Her father was, um, a very intense abolitionist and she was too. And so, and this was kind of her way of contributing to the abolition movement. And it was a huge bestseller at the time. I think that there's some people nowadays that may look at it and and knock it a bit, but she really tried to get into the nitty gritty to so that people could really see how awful and how unfair and unjust this, uh, the life was for, a slave. And so it follows several people. It follows this little family, this, this young woman who marries a a man who's uh, doesn't live on the same plantation as her, but they have a child and they, they're trying to escape and get to a better life. Uh, It follows the story of, of course, uncle Tom, who's taken away from his family. And it shows just how severe and thoughtless and egotistical and and just awful a lot of these southern plantation owners were um and it was like not only did they not care about these humans that they had turned into chattel they also don't really care about each other and so it really showed you how like their humanity was gone it's a really fantastic story and it's one that i read to my kids and it's a cry book like i like ugly cried at the end so
1: that um I remember my sister, my younger sister, majored in English at the University of Oregon, and she. Mm. I remember her reading that, <laughs> mm. and at the time thinking, that looks hard. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it kind of reminds me of, have you read Kindred by Octavia Butler? I have not. I need to. Though, I've it. heard about that one. Okay. Yeah. When I was looking up classics, because I was trying to remember what I've read, that came up, and I was like, that's mm. a classic. I've read it. It's really good. Oh, I almost cool. okay. made my list. Only because I was like, is it really a classic? Is it not really a classic? I love anyways. Kindred is good. It's a good one. Um, okay, my number 10 is great expectations. When we talked about doing this, I was like, I'm probably just gonna tell you the 10 classics that I have read (laughs) (laughs) instead of my top ten, because I haven't read that many. So, and that's why I'm doing this podcast, because I'm interested in reading more. Anyway, so some of these are ones I haven't read for several Years, maybe a couple of decades. This one I read in high school and haven't read it since. Mm. So, to be honest, the only thing I remembered about the story was the guy that sat against the wall and left his grease print on the wall from his head. (laughs) So, (laughs)
0: that that literally leaves an impression
1: both on that (laughs) wall
0: and on your mind. That stood out to me.
1: And we had this high school teacher that would, he read it to us. So we would hmm. just go to class and he would read. That's interesting. Yeah. But
0: how was it? Like, it was okay. He wasn't very good.
1: It yeah, was okay. I don't remember, but I would rather have read it myself. Yeah. <laughs> sure. um, and I'd love to read this again someday for the podcast just because so I can remember it. But according to the blurb on Amazon or wherever I looked up, this story, this is a story of aspirations and moral redemption. It's about an orphan named Pip who is living with his not very nice older sister. And it's a tale about crime and guilt, redemption and reward, love and loss. Have you read that one? Yeah, it totally made my list. uh
0: Oh, I've read guess? that. So that's okay. I think that's okay. I'll just say that that that's my next one
1: because no I, but the funny thing is is i was thinking we should have prefaced this with we didn't tell each other what was yeah, on the list. and i thought yeah. maybe that would happen so yeah there may
0: be some crossovers
1: why don't you make that in your next one and tell us better what it's about <laughs>
0: no i think that, that there's some really interesting characters and in our main character is pip who he goes through kind of a full circle metamorphosis, I want to say, because he goes from this young boy who is like, like you say, he lives with his very harsh older sister. He has some pretty interesting experiences as a a young boy. He gains this benefactor somehow who sends him to school and all this time he has this idea that it's this really wealthy person who has put him through school is expecting him to make something of himself. And then he finds out that it's not, it's this extremely poor. He mm-hmm. was a former convict who uh, paid for his schooling. And when he finds out, he treats this guy so horribly and he evolves, he changes, he learns. And uh, yeah, just lots of really interesting characters, lots of things to think about and, and learn from the whole story. So yeah, I- I really enjoy it. It's, it's one that moves along really well. Like you said, has just some very eccentric and strange, bizarre, and very interesting people. We'll have to put that on
1: our list. Yeah. Of, stuff to, of books to cover. So my number nine was Mansfield Park by Jane Austen. Mm. Um, I've always struggled with Jane Austen. This is probably the only one I ever finished. Um, So that's gonna have to change <laughs> because we're gonna have to do some Jane Austen. I read it as a part of a book club with my, my sisters and a couple of friends so many years ago. So Mansfield Park is the story of Fanny Price, who because of her parents' financial state was sent to live with her aunt and uncle at their country estate, Mansfield Park. When she gets there, she's uncomfortable because of her lack of manners and then not being mm-hmm. used to the luxury that they live in. Mm-hmm. At first, they don't treat her very well and she's homesick, but eventually she forms a bond with her cousin, Edmund, who she then falls in love with and she has to watch him fall in love with somebody else. Mm-hmm. So have you read that one? What you- so that's one that I...
0: I think that's the one Jane Austen that I have not read. Interesting, but it, that sounds really good. It's what it's definitely on my to be read.
1: Okay. So if you were to pick which Jane Austen, you would want to be our first one that we cover, which one would it be?
0: That's so hard because I had like the hardest time putting one of her books on my top 10. Cause I was like, I'm just going to pick keep one. it to one. Yeah. That's really hard. So I'm Well, maybe we could do Mansfield Park. That might be fun. Since you haven't read it. The only one
1: I've read. (gasps) Yeah. Why not? (laughs) We'll do this for 30 years and get through all of them. (laughs) (laughs) If there's, if there's still podcasts in 30 years. I know. Seriously. What will be next? (laughs) Okay. What was your number eight?
0: Since you brought up Jane Austen, I, I had such a hard time. So I went with persuasion because this its the story of, Anne, who, and she and captain Wentworth were like engaged the, and then it broke off and he thought that she didn't want to marry him. And so he's all bitter at her and, and because her family had persuaded her not to whatever, not to marry him anyway. And then he like comes back into her life and she's there and he's there and there's just all this drama and they just, As in all Jane Austen. So, this isn't really a spoiler. They come together at the end and fall in love again and realize they've like always loved each other. And it's just, oh my gosh, I don't know. It's just very
1: romantic. And I really love it. Well, I believe that is also how Mansfield Park ends. (laughs) (laughs) Guarantee it is. And that's fine. At the end, they find out they loved each other. Yeah. (laughs) And they live happily ever after. Yeah. Okay. So, I don't know. We must have gotten out of order, but that's okay. So my next one is Tess of the D'Urbervilles by Thomas Hardy. Awesome. Did that one make you? I hope it did. So
0: it. that's one that I haven't read. I had, I was making up my to-be-read, like my top 10 to-be-read, and that's on my top 10 to-be-read. Ah,
1: so in real time, we're actually reading Far From the Madding Crowd for the podcast, so I thought that was kind of interesting. I also yeah. read this years ago for a book club. I remember a couple of things about it, but I remember a Car crash or something, which that might not even be right. But I, anyways, I don't exactly remember. <laughs> but Tess um, is a novel about a poor young woman named Tess Derbyfield, whose father sends her to work for the rich Stoke Duberville How do you say that? Stoke Duberville family, and he thinks they're related, but they're not. And then I believe this may be where the car comes in. But Tess falls asleep and one of the family, Alec, rapes her. Then she goes home and gives birth to a, a son, and then the son dies. So that's just kind of the setup of it. But I remember it being interesting. And like I said, I've, I have struggled with classics in the past. For one to have been interesting to me, it was stands out. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: really interesting. <laughs> so one thing that I was reading was about how that was one of Thomas Hardy's later novels. And he kind of got a lot of grief for it because it was very sort of edgy for the time. And he, after that, he was like, okay, I'm not going to write anymore. I just want to do poetry. I'm not going to write stories anymore, but it's an enduring classic. So when
1: I read that, I was like, I don't remember there being a rape in the book. And that did seem a little odd for a book yeah. back then. So would a hundred percent believe that. <laughs> yeah. Interesting.
0: Okay. My next one I'm going to talk about is The Art of War by Sun Tzu. So it's not really a story, but it's a whole bunch of like how to beat your enemy. I loved it. I like I read it just like the, the book and then I listened to it with commentary. That was super fascinating. I learned so much that way. But one thing, the thing about it is. You learn that the art of war, if you learn all these principles, it's going to help you in life, business, relationship, just anytime you have to have, uh, like talk to people or have any sort of confrontation or whatever. So here's one of my favorite quotes from it, because it really is sort of like just this list of how to be successful. But in the commentary, here's the thing that I was interesting about the commentary is that it told stories about different generals like from a long time ago, and and ways that they would like implement these things. So here's one of my favorite quotes. I'll share a couple. If you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. Know the enemy and know yourself. And you're always gonna be successful, right? If you know yourself, but not the enemy, for every victory gained, you will also suffer defeat. Okay, so like you'll have victories, but it's you're also gonna have defeats. Because you only know half, but you do know yourself, so there's going to be some victory. If you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb in every battle. You're going to always lose. So know your enemy, know yourself, and then the supreme art of war is to subdue the enemy without fighting. So there you go.
1: That's so interesting.
0: Yeah, it's
1: it's really good.
0: I really like it a
1: lot. That kind of made me think of like brain. Okay. So there's this idea that your brain is separate from you. Your brain's job is to keep you alive, Mm. save energy, you know, conserve energy, keep you alive. I don't know, protect you, right? Especially when I think about eating food. I like that. Know yourself, like Mm. what you actually want, but then your enemy is kind of your brain. And if you know what your brain wants,
0: you can win. The supreme art of war is to subdue the enemy without fighting.
1: Okay. So when your brain is telling you that it wants something that you don't want, you're supposed to say to it, like, I hear you because it wants to be heard. Mm. So you're kind of like, yeah. like pushing it away. Doesn't really subdue that enemy. It just kind True. of like, anyways, yeah. I just thought that was interesting. It's sort of procrastinating the inevitable. Yeah. So. Cause your brain just, and so like, if you don't tell your brain, yeah, I hear you. I know you want to say, I'm mean, just using food as an example. I know you want to eat that, but yeah we're choosing something different right now it'll keep trying Mm -hmm. but once you tell it to calm down i hear you then it can like stop yeah (laughs) i don't know know no that's no that's an amazing application for sure Yeah, maybe i should read that okay my next one is the wizard of oz by l frank Baum. so i read this like probably two years ago after i'd read finding dorothy by elizabeth letts i think you've read but it's a book yes. mostly about Frank Baum's wife. and I just thought he was such an interesting man. And like as I was reading the book and listening to how he was as a storyteller and how he struggled, and you know, it, just everything about him was interesting to me. And I just got more and more and more interested in reading his books, and I thought, oh, I'm just going to read straight through him, so. I didn't. I just read the first one, but maybe someday I'll pick up the rest. But it was just interesting to hear through historical fiction about his wife how the kids just loved his stories that he would tell. And so it just made me interested. And it was a little different than the movie we all know, but it was interesting. I have like a beautiful version of it that I picked up at a secondhand store. So I just read. Oh,
0: cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I remember reading it as a kid and and I really liked it. There's some parts that are a little <laughs> strange, but that's when I did not read to my kids instead we listened to it, and it was narrated by Anne Hathaway and it was kind of fantastic. I, I thought she did a great job, so I'd recommend
1: We used to also watch that movie every year it was mm-hmm. it it was on television every year, like the day after Thanksgiving, and so we always watched it. Oh. I was going to
0: ask like what what time of year
1: was that the day after thanksgiving huh Yeah when I was a child <laughs> And my mom I mean it was the thing we knew it was going to be on they yeah. don't do that kind of stuff anymore I was thinking too we love the musical Hamilton and I was kind of thinking we should as a family just pick a day every year that we're going to watch it Oh that's a fun idea just cuz yeah. you for- kind of forget about stuff and Yeah
0: that's a that's a really good idea I think Harry Potter is one that plays every year around halloween time on some channels. And I know a Christmas story plays every year (laughs) over and over. Okay. So the next one I'm going to talk about is I had to include Shakespeare and he's like Jane Austen. I was like, how do I choose? So I went with much ado about nothing because it's so funny and there's, it's just so great. So it's the story of Beatrice and Benedict and she's just determined that they're not gonna be a thing. And I don't know, it's just like this back and forth, back and forth. And then there's all this drama, um, with Beatrice's l- little sister pretending that she's dead so that she can bring back her fiancé, who everybody told him that she had been unfaithful and whatever. There's just like all this drama, and it's really funny. And Benedict and Beatrice, of course, again. All of Shakespeare's comedies, in the end, everybody gets married, and that's exactly how this one ends. But it's just It really is much ado about who knows what, like nothing. (laughs) But it's just—it's really
1: funny and really clever. And I much ado about absolutely nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. My next one is *Weathering Heights* by Emily Bronte. Awesome. So another one I read in high school. (laughs) Apparently, we read classics in high school. (laughs) I really don't think they do nowadays, or at least their classics, which is are different. When we were
0: talking about doing this podcast that's one of the things that came to mind. It was like, they're not teaching the classics Mm -mm. in high school. And that's so tragic to me. And I've literally heard teachers say things like, well, the kids just won't like them. They're too, they're going to be too boring for them. And I'm like, what? This is like the, these are the most amazing stories, the most incredible characters. So much discussion can happen with this so much learning. I think it's exactly what kids need. And you know what, if they're bored for a minute, Oh, well, they can still learn that there's stuff to learn in, in things that maybe initially they think are boring
1: or make it exciting. Yeah. Make it exciting because (laughs) it is, they're really exciting. They're amazing. So, yeah. So this one is one I read in high school, and then I've read it again as an adult, but um, and I'm sure everybody knows the plot, right? <laughs> so here goes. There's two families, the Earnshaws and the Lintons, and Heathcliff, who is bitter because of abuse and because the love of his life, Kathy marries Edgar Linton. And so he plans revenge on both families. And this goes on for more than their generation. But even Kathy's death in childbirth doesn't, he's still obsessed. And uh, it doesn't set him free from this revenge that he needs to get between the, on, on the family. So the question is, will the marriage of the surviving heirs, between the surviving heirs, restore peace to the family? From high school, I said with um, great expectations, I remember the grease spot on the wall. With well, this one, I remember our teacher drawing us a diagram of how Heathcliff planned to be buried next to... Kathy. Because mm, even in death, he wanted to be right next to her. Yeah. <laughs> he couldn't have had her in during life, but he, anyways, I can picture the drawing in my head of that's cool. The graves and like the how he was going to roll on over into her side. <laughs> very funny. I
0: always loved that book and it, it almost made, made my list, but yeah, such great characters and he is such a tragic and sad character but he almost gets to the point where you can't you don't have much compassion for him anymore because he makes everybody around him so miserable and he's just mean i will say that there is an incredible movie rendition of it i think it's amazing with tom hardy as Heathcliff. (laughs) oh i love it and kathy is played by tom hardy's wife at least they were married at the time. Who knows? <laughs> I'll have to so go look it up. But she's gorgeous. I, I, her name is not coming to my head. But anyway, I thought... The, other, the other thing well that I
1: remembered about that was... Well, I I think we don't talk about ourselves much. Like Mm-mm. in the beginning, a lot of podcasts, they'll like kind of chit chat or whatever. So you don't really know much about us, but you'll learn as we go, the little p- bits and pieces. So I was a pianist and it was something I did pretty seriously Uh, as a child and high schooler, and I actually went to college for it. But when I was reading this in high school, I went and rented the video tape, right? Because that's how old I am. And there was this special video store downtown that rented out old classics. So I went down there and rented it. And there was a Chopin Piece playing like in one of the scenes where she goes to a party, mm. and I just remember it. I remember loving that Chopin piece, and then when I went to college, I got to play it, like learn oh, it and play cool. it. I know it was really cool, so it is could, really like cool. that was my connection with the that's movie. that's was awesome,
0: and I love that you were able to pull that out of the movie.
1: You're like, Oh, that's Chopin! I love that, oh. and I want to play it. It that's was like incredible. my it was probably the one piece of music that I just was like, Someday I'm gonna play that. And I can still play like the first five or six measures of it. That's awesome.
0: I'm going to say my next one is Up From Slavery by Booker T. Washington. So it's autobiographical, tells the story of his life. He did start out as a slave, just as a very young child. But then he chronicles just like the struggles he went through and making something of himself. And it was really amazing now because he believed that he lived through the Emancipation Proclamation and everything. And he believed that black people absolutely should be educated and self sufficient and really make something of themselves. Now this was before Jim Crow laws, which were just like such a black mark on, I mean, just horrible. So he was an amazing man he started a college and he had all of these people who had formerly been slaves or you know maybe their parents had been and they um they came to this college and they he made sure that they were very well educated but they he also taught them practical skills you know he taught them how to farm really effectively and it was important that they learned how to clean and keep themselves clean like it was like an all encompassing school um, and it was really fantastic. And, and he was somebody who he was invited to speak all over the country and was very well respected. And I, he has a quote that I just really love. And I feel like it applies all the time. Well, there's a couple of quotes I'm going to share. So the first one is he said, a lie doesn't become truth. Wrong doesn't become right. And evil doesn't become good just because it's, it's accepted by the majority. You know, we hear all the time, speak your truth you know, truth is subjective, which it's not. And so just because something is accepted by the majority doesn't make it real or true. He also said, he said, success is not measured by where you are in life, but the obstacles you've overcome. Anyway, just an incredible man. It's yeah. So wonderful. And as time went on, like I think that there were people in in his community that felt like he was betraying them or whatever and he he was like I don't feel like I am. I feel like I'm doing the best that I can and and trying to uplift everybody around me. Anyway, it's actually a pretty small book, but I
1: love it. I think it's incredible. So, I love you reading. You're bringing books I've never heard of. Oh, good. <laughs> See, we're all going to learn so much from this. <laughs> I mean, me, I'm going to learn so much from this. Okay. So we didn't tell each other, but we, I, what books were on our list, but I know you have this one on your list. So I'm going to just say what it is. And then I'm, you're going to kind of tell about it because you're better at this. <laughs> so my next one is Little Women by Louisa May Alcott.
0: Oh, I didn't end up putting that one on Oh, list. well Because I was tell like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and I can jump in if you want, but I was like, ah, I think I'll classify that as a kid's book, but okay. But it's, oh, yeah. it's not, it's not really. Okay.
1: Yeah. Go the ahead. story follows four sisters, Meg, Joe, Beth, and Amy. And again, everybody knows the plot, right? So um, as they grow from childhood to adulthood and their father is at war, um, they deal with friendship, love, sickness, and then their relationships with each other. This book could be considered like a Christmas time. Sometimes it's considered that, right? Um, and then the new movie was fantastic, <laughs> like what, a couple of years ago, I think. And eventually I'd love, there's a couple of books by Virginia Contra, I think, that I'd like to pick up. One is called Meg and Joe. And then the second one is called Beth and Amy. And I've mm-hmm. heard really good things about them. So oh, cool. yeah, there's so many, you know, adaptations of <sighs> little women. Have you, here's my question. Have you ever read Little Men?
0: Yes. It's been, it's been quite a while, but yeah, it was really good. I enjoyed little women a lot better. And in fact, I enjoyed some of her other books a bit better than little men as well. Okay. That doesn't
1: mean it was bad, just, I enjoyed some (laughs) of the others better. Yeah. She would be a fun one to read something a little less known from her. Yeah. All right. Your turn. I'm going to go with, for my next
0: one, Jane Eyre by Charlotte Bronte. And that's another one that's probably on a lot of people's top 10 and everybody kind of knows the plot, but it's again, one of those, just, just kind of awesome love stories. (laughs) It's just kind of what I love. And she starts out as this very neglected and sort of unloved orphan and sort of reminiscent of Harry Potter a little bit, just everybody being so mean to her Well, or Harry Potter is reminiscent of Jane Eyre. I guess we should say that, but (laughs) she goes to this school it's a horrible school but but she survives and she she thrives and then she becomes the governess for um for Mr. Rochester's daughter and there's a big mystery in his house he's mysterious but she falls in love with him and he falls in love with her and it's and there's still lots of obstacles in the way but they overcome them and it's, it's just a fantastic story so Yes, that
1: was that was on my list as number two. Oh, awesome. Just great because you did a much better job than I would have. All right. Yeah. I don't even think I put anything extra about that, but I lo- yeah, I love that book. Okay. My next one is Rebecca by Daphne Daphne Maurier. So this is perfect for October, which we are in right now. I don't know if yeah. you'll be listening to this in October, but we might be at the end. There's also a new-ish Netflix ad- adaptation, which a lot of people didn't really like, but I thought it was entertaining. And I even got my husband to watch it with me. So, and he was- I
0: interested. actually really liked it too. And the thing is, I I can be kind of harsh on movie adaptations of books, but I actually really liked it. And I, I love the book, Rebecca. It's one of those just like, yeah. <gasps> so suspenseful and just kind of creepy. But yeah, I actually really liked the movie. Yeah.
1: And my husband watched it and was interested. So- that was good enough. To yeah, keep there. that was good. <laughs> so I loved this description that I found. Rebecca is a twisting tale full of morally gray characters and deceit. And then it's kind of a dark and atmospheric setting, which is why it's perfect for October, um, where Maxim de Winter brings in a shy new bride into his manderly state. And his uh, first wife, her influence is very much in the house and this lady feels like an outsider and like she doesn't fit in and you know like all the staff is mad that she's there and anyways so it's just her feeling like an outsider while she tries to unravel this mystery of what happened to Rebecca perfect winter book yeah <laughs> or it is. Halloween fall. perfect fall. fall yeah yeah, yeah totally such a good one
0: My next one I'm going to talk about is The Count of Monte Cristo by Alexandre
1: Dumas. We're going to do that because I want to read that book. It's
0: so good. I will say the only reason it's not like my top favorite is because there are several chapters in there that first of all, if you've seen the book, like it's massive, it's so big, but there are several chapters that I was like, okay, I kind of feel like Dumas was writing this just because like as a filler to sort of stretch out the publications in the weekly or monthly magazine or whatever it is because they get money like per <laughs> publication, right? And so I was like, okay, I feel like this is just a filler. But nevertheless, the story, I just love the story. So it's the story of Edmund Dantes, who's a very poor, illiterate, French sailor and he has a good friend who he thought was a good friend and they anyway through Edmond he has this gorgeous girlfriend Mercedes and he has sort of this string of good luck and his friend who's actually a very wealthy guy like he kind of has everything already but he betrays he's jealous of Edmond and he betrays him and he there's this whole web of lies that ends up getting Edmond who's just this completely innocent he's never done anything wrong in his life probably completely innocent guy sent to the Chateau d'If, which is this prison on an island and he's there for I think 13 years he meets this old man who he calls priest, who has also been there on completely just stupid charges. And this man teaches him to read. He teaches him fencing and fighting. He teaches him social graces and they are digging their way out of the prison. And it takes many years, but he gets out. He, he joins up with this pirate crew for a little while. He finds this amazing treasure that the priest had, he, the priest had had this treasure map for him. He finds this treasure and he uses the treasure to exact his revenge on all the people who had done him wrong. And that part is kind of sad, but he makes good friends along the way. He develops a relationship with, um, this young woman named a day in the end. I remember like the, the very last lines of, of the book. I love him. It's like, basically like, when things are going horribly wrong, like just remember these two words, wait and hope things are going to turn out, wait and hope. So yeah, I love it. It's a great book. And there's an amazing movie rendition that does not follow the book really very well at all, (laughs) but I love it. And I actually kind of love how they changed the ending, (laughs) the one with Jim Caviezel. I like, I really love it I've seen some older renditions that follow the book more closely but like I actually really love that one
1: so we'll have to read that one and it just will take us like a year or me like a year to get to maybe we should just
0: start rating it now and we'll plan to talk about it like next year sometime
1: yes <laughs> do like have you seen the app serial reader where it says uh-huh. like uh I think it's like a 10 minute segment of it every day so you can pick ah. you pick a book and it tells you how many days it'll take you to read it and that one's a lot of days but (sighs) a lot i think i read jane Eyre once that way but Mm. they send it to you on your phone and then you can just read it like i was just at lunch i would read for 10 minutes but my next one is the blue castle by lucy montgomery so this is a lesser known novel by the same author as uh, Anne of Green Gables. And um, I had heard about this. And so that a lot of people like it even more than Anne of Green Gables, which I didn't as much, but I mean, I, I loved it, but not it. You'll find out that that's my number one. So <laughs> you couldn't top it. But so this is a story. Have you read this one? I think. Yes. It, okay, mm-hmm. Yeah, we read it for book club Mm -hmm. when we were when we were living in the same town yeah um those stories set in the 20s in a fictional town in Canada and Valency is a 29 year old old maid who lives with a family that treats her like a child and she decides to move out of her mother's house and she takes a position as a housekeeper for a friend of hers who's dying her name's her friend's name is Sissy and so and along the way she gets some news that she only has a year to live and so she says I'm not gonna move back in with my mother and and she proposes to a man named Barney and I think she even tells him look I only have a year to live so he won't be stuck with me forever like can we just get married and I'm gonna be gone and so he agrees to marry her but her family is not happy because he's a disreputable man and there's a lot more mystery to him and stuff that happens to her. I really
0: liked it. I, thought it was- I remember loving it so much. And it did it, like, it raises the question, like, what would you dare to do if you knew your life's end point? Like, Cause that's the whole reason that she dared to ask him to marry her. Like she was a very shy and reserved person. And then she was like, um, uh, you know what? I have nothing to lose. The heck with it. I have nothing to lose. I'm going <laughs> to die. So dude, will you marry me and yeah, <laughs> like i really loved it
1: and they like move out into his little cottage that's like it's like on an island
0: yes yeah i loved it all right my next one i'm going to say is uh man's search for meaning by victor frankl have you heard of this one
1: i've heard of it
0: okay it's an amazing book so victor frankl was uh, a survivor of the holocaust he was obviously jewish he just wrote about all of his observations from a psychological perspective. I mean, like you, you get his story and you, you get the idea of the the horrifying nature of the uh, death camps and how awful the the Nazis were and just their horrible situation. But he's again, like I said, he's looking at it from a psychological perspective and trying to figure out how that can apply to every person because. We're not in concentration camps, far from it, but in life, there is suffering. He took that extreme condition and was like, well, how are these people dealing with it? And then how can, you know, in our very comfy lives that still have suffering, how how can we deal with suffering? And so I hope that made some kind of sense. Yeah. I wanted to share just a couple of quotes from him. Can I hold on? So he said, He who has a why to live can bear with almost any how. And so that really comes back to the meaning. Like we need to have some sort of meaning in our life. Mm-hmm. What is it that we're living for? You know? And he said, In some ways, suffering ceases to be suffering at the moment it finds a meaning such as the meaning of a sacrifice. It's like, it makes me think of like, when you have a baby, I've had six babies and I happen to have all of them without painkiller or drugs of any kind. That is like extreme pain. <laughs> like, and they say that's like, literally women are flirting with death every time they have a baby. And it does, it takes you like to the edge and you can't endure much more than that. But you do it And you keep doing it. In your case, you did it five times. In my case, I did it five times or six times. Some people have done it 12 times, whatever, because there's meaning there because you're bringing life into the world. And so suffering ceases. You don't necessarily think of it as suffering, like a horrific pain, but like it ceases to be suffering as soon as there's meaning there. And then it just becomes a sacrifice. It's like, hey, I'm willing to go through this pain Because I'm bringing this beautiful miracle into the world. Yeah.
1: Well, I haven't. I didn't do it drug free, but I used to tell people, giving birth is fun, (laughs) mostly because they then put this perfect, (sighs) amazing package in your arms, and then you forget about everything that just happened. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Then you want to do it again.
0: And the truth is that even if you do it with painkiller, like
1: that doesn't lessen the toll that it takes on your body so well yeah I am um, I'm too scared like I'm like I didn't want to get to the point where the drugs were out <laughs> off the table yeah I'm like give them to me now uh, I almost made it with the last one after I had her my husband said you should have just done it And I'm like be quiet <laughs> <laughs> I know. five She's minutes ago quiet, I wanted you. to die <laughs> yeah. seriously it's like oh yeah but like yeah seriously they weren't giving me the epidural as it she I mean she was born within like five minutes so mm. oh well <laughs> that was close I mean you essentially did it without them that's right so. that's close um okay I only have one more. do you have two more
0: no one? I just have
1: I have one more oh perfect okay so I thought we got off for some reason my favorite is Anne of Green Gables by Lucy Mott, Montgomery. Oh, book. <laughs> so good. I know. I love it. I love it. I love it. Love it. Love it. I, um, I mean, I read that as a child. My mom bought me like the box set or whatever. And then my husband, which time he's in the hospital. I think it was right after I had our first child, our son, our only son. Um, my husband was in the hospital about a month before like a month before I had him and then in and out of the hospital after I had him. And I remember reading that in ICU. (laughs) And I just, anyways, it was like my bright spot. It would be like, yeah, just an awful situation. He turned out. Okay. He's still here with us. So everything's fine. But,
0: but in the moment.
1: Yeah. And I I can just picture, I, you know, how when you're reading a certain book and you see yourself, like I was behind his bed, in the ICU just reading and I was thinking well at least I'm reading <laughs> I could say or read <laughs> I can't remember if Charlie I don't think I I think I was it was the end of my pregnancy I don't think he had been born yet because once he was born there was no reading well yeah yeah <laughs> there was walking okay. the hospital halls while he screamed as what, mm. what was going on but you
0: got in a good book before yeah before
1: and I'm not that. even going to tell you what it's about because everybody knows but I must love books about orphans and and we also read uh watched the movies. The mini is a must have been like a mini series over and over and over as children. Oh so.
0: they're so good. Like at this point, I I remember learning the theme song on the piano. <laughs> I love the theme song. But at this point I just hear the theme song and I just like burst into tears. Because it's so I, I <laughs> But like all of it, it's just like so nostalgic and just so beautiful and all the scenery The oh my gosh, the the movie is the, from the 80s. Yeah. So good. Yeah. So good. Love I loved it. I thought that their new renditions or their new take on it was like interesting, but I didn't love it. And I didn't feel like it. I was like, man, nah, that's not Anna Cranky. Boys. I've like, only
1: watched the first season. So I think there's more seasons, but and there was interest. It was interesting enough, yeah, but it not was interesting. Enough.
0: But to me, it was like eh, no. it
1: wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't the ones in the eighties.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so then my number one is actually far from the matting crowd, Ooh. at least as of right now. Um, I just by Thomas Hardy, I. Love it so much,
1: so much, and we're both enjoying it a lot right now. Yeah, it's so reading.
0: funny. It has so many wonderful insights into people and their thought processes, and it's just a wonderful story. And I don't know. Do you want me to do a synopsis or not?
1: Um, maybe just super brief. Yeah, super brief. But okay. it is coming. Yeah, on our podcast pretty quickly yeah yeah do a quick okay so
0: just super brief overview um it's the story of gabriel oak and bathsheba everdeen and just the way that their lives entwine in unlikely ways and she unexpectedly comes to wealth where she had been poor um he unexpectedly goes to extreme poverty where he'd been like looking at you know a, a promising future. And because of that, he has to go to work for her and he likes her, but she doesn't like him, but she has a lot of growing to do and a lot of trials to go through and a lot of suitors apparently to go through before she realizes that as the song says, it is you I have loved all along.
1: (laughs) So. I see a theme in these classics. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know, all the ones I love. Good grief. I'm not like this weird
1: romance. Not all of them are that way. <laughs> no, it's just funny. Like, oh, well, I, we loved you. And maybe that's like a big theme though. Like in classics, it's like, that's well, oh, I loved you all along. So now we're yeah. together.
0: Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. That's true. Uh,
1: so yeah, that's the 10 classics. So eventually we'll do a top 10, a list of 10 that we want to read that we haven't read possibly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited for that. Although I have a lot to choose from. You've read everything.
0: No, I haven't. And yeah, I realize that there's like so many and there's a lot that I'm like, why haven't I read that? That's dumb.
1: But (laughs) that would be me with all the Jane Austen books. Like, I mean, I think like when we, for book club, we would always at once a year, we'd all present three or four books and somebody would bring up, a Jane Austen. And I'd be like, no, please, (laughs) I can't do it. But I have a much better attitude about it now. So we're going to love them. And I can see as we're studying and reading that it's getting easier and easier. And so like, I I think that's one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast was so that people that wanted to read the classics wouldn't feel overwhelmed or intimidated by them and realize
0: that, try it. (laughs) Yeah. Or feel like it's something that's just not for them or something they can't do because if you can read, you can read the classics. And if you can read, you can enjoy the classics.
1: Yeah. And if you need proof, I'm it. (laughs) (laughs) That's the goal here. And I'm excited because I think like, maybe we'll do a few and then we'll try a Jane Austen and I'll be like, oh, I totally have been immersed more in this language. I, mm-hmm. you know, I understand what's going on more. Yeah. I mean, it's funny so because cool. not that I usually have comprehension problems, but like older classics I have. So anyways. Yeah. Well, I think it's just a matter of like sort of
0: getting tied up in the language and, and yeah. figure out like, what are they alluding to? Because a lot of times, you know, you talked about in tests of the Dur- D'Urbervilles not remembering that there was a rape And probably it was like the way that he said it, it was like not obvious. I probably didn't didn't know there was one. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, sort of like a very roundabout way of inferring that that's what happened. But with all this very flowery language.
1: Yes, that's probably what it is. It's the flowery language that's like, okay, what exactly are they saying? But you can figure it out. It's doable. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. We're so happy you joined us for this episode. We hope you will join us next week as we discuss The Secret Garden. If you have suggestions for books we should read and discuss, please email us at thebestbookspodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. We would love it if you would leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts and share our podcast with your friends. We want to inspire and encourage as many people as we can to read out of the best books.
0: As Thoreau says, read the best books first, or you may not have a chance to read them at all.
1: See you next week.